Hey everyone, and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas, and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I'm super excited. We have a special guest joining me on the show, and we're here to talk about age reversal, stem cell science, regeneration, and peak performance. And today, we have David Smith. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucas. Great to be here. Awesome. So, David, I usually like to start out the podcast with getting to, my, getting to know the guests a little bit better. David, let my audience know a little bit about yourself. How did you become so fascinated into health optimization? Uh, I have been interested in health uh, since I was afflicted with allergies when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. And I found myself, like a lot of people, having to depend on antihistamines. And I felt that there must be an alternative. I just felt uh, very tired and fatigued and drowsy all the time from being on these drugs. So I began reading everything that I could about nutrition and natural medicine. And uh, over the years, uh, what I found was that a very simple remedy that worked for me was a combination of vitamin C and uh, vitamin B5, panathenic acid. And uh, it, it worked a miracle in my life. And I decided that I wanted to continue to do research into uh, health, nutrition, fitness, learn as much as I could. And that evolved over the years into many different pursuits as far as research into health goes. Incredible. Yeah. The allergies and histamine issues that you face, you mentioned that you found some success with vitamin C and vitamin B5, pantothenic acid. Did you just uncover that yourself through your own research or did you like consult with a healthcare professional? No, this was just all from, I began this research when I was 12 and uh, I just started reading as many books as I could. And so I had seen a reference that in, in a clinical study that the combination of vitamin C and vitamin B5 could form cortisone in the adrenal cortex, which of course is a natural antihistamine. And endogenous cortisone is fine because our body is, is making it. It's when we're getting cortisone injections from outside the body. That's when we run into real issues. At first, when I tried it, it actually, it didn't work because I was only taking 500 milligrams of each. And then when I increased the dosing to a thousand milligrams of each twice a day, then it worked amazing. It was two weeks. And then virtually I never had allergies again after that. And so it really convinced me in a firsthand that natural medicines can replace pharmaceutical drugs, at least in, in uh, certain instances. So I began a, a lifelong pursuit to uh, learn as much as I could. Mm, incredible. And as far as the LifeWave products, because that's obviously what we're here to focus on and discuss, maybe did you want to talk to us about the evolution of the company itself and maybe where the original research stems from and how that came about? 
Yeah, I, so I've always had a passion and interest in doing research. And uh, when I was in college in New York, I approached the chairman of the biology department, uh, this fellow Bill Ventura, a fantastic guy. And uh, I told him I had this idea about how we could uh, bioelectrically neutralize cancer cells selectively. So the idea is uh, cancer cells have a uh, voltage potential, which is lower than that of a healthy cell. And we might be able to electromagnetically or bioelectrically manipulate selectively uh, through frequency the uh, membrane of the cancer cell versus a healthy cell. So uh, I obtained a grant from a country uh, from a company in New Jersey. Uh, I got a, a, a donation from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and began working with uh, two different types of neuroblastomas, uh, an immunogenic and non-immunogenic line. And basically what I found was that it was possible to slow down the growth of these of these cancer cells or even kill them with the right type of energy fields. So that was really the first time that I saw the immense potential of energy medicine. Then I began to read about some of the pioneers in energy medicine, like Royal Rife and Beck and others. And it was in the 90s where I was developing survival equipment for the U.S. Navy through government contractors that I was invited to a project and I had an opportunity to take a look at how we might improve the survivability of the crew on a submarine. I thought, okay, this is a great for energy medicine. So let me see what I can come up with. That's something really fascinating. The, so you just said there, improving the survivability of the military. What was what were the major like pathways or mechanisms of action you were trying to target there? Yeah, so actually back in the 90s, light therapy outside of the military was considered to be quackery. And it's interesting because it's self-evident that you go out in the sun and it causes your body to make vitamin D. <laughs> so there's obviously an interaction between light and our biochemistry, but phototherapy itself back then in the 90s was considered quackery. Now, what's important to know is that the Department of Defense and uh, specifically DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, was funding millions of dollars in research through the Department of the Navy into light therapy. Uh, one of those researchers was uh, Dr. Harry Whelan, who's a medical doctor, and uh, he was looking at uh, phenomena of photo repair, amongst other things. But it's basically the idea that you can use light to accelerate healing and induce tissue repair at a very rapid rate. And, and that research by Dr. Whelan was successful. So in, in my research, uh, I was looking at the crew of a mini-sub, and uh, the crew were Navy SEALs, and they were going to have to stay awake for uh, 30, 40, 50 hours or more. And so how do we do that without using caffeine or stimulants? So the thought was that the answer has got to be in their basic cell metabolism. If we can ramp up energy production in the cell, we may be able to keep their energy levels very stable without having to resort to drugs. And after three years of research, I found a way to do it. Oh, this is, this is really exciting stuff. I'm seeing some 
major like broader applications for this sort of technology already. I'm just thinking about professional athletes <laughs> right now. I'm getting all excited. There is a there's a tennis player that you probably heard of whose name I don't think I can mention, but as I recall, he's ranked pretty high, who has been using our, our product and having some pretty great success with it. Mm-hmm. So we do, in fact, have uh, professional and Olympic athletes all over the world uh, using LifeWave. Mm. So going back to the the aspect of light and the whole element of trying to improve energy and probably mitochondrial function, ATP production, like with the actual target, the actual, I'm curious to know about the actual specific like protocol that was deployed for those, like the military, the Navy SEAL personnel, like what was the actual objective? Was it a specific, they apply it, they, they conduct a particular, they apply the patch maybe, or what, what was involved in the actual um, protocol? Yeah, so the technology that I developed that back then was primitive compared to where it is today. It's extremely sophisticated today. Uh, back then, the target was beta oxidation. So the idea is we could take a blend of different wavelengths of light. We could increase uh, production of cytochrome C oxidase. And uh, of course, we found that out later. And then this, in fact, turns on uh, uh, fatty acid metabolism in the cell. So my approach, where it was significantly different, is that in traditional light therapy, uh, we may be working with a single wavelength of light or a few different wavelengths of light, but it's basically white noise. And the thought was, in the military, we use uh, lasers for site-to-site communication all the time. So the key to that is to modulate the light with information, just like you would with any other electromagnetic wave. So we, of course, in radio have frequency or amplitude modulation. So the thought was, what if we modulated the light that's coming off the body and uh, encode information into it so that we can turn on a specific process in the body. And in this case, we were just looking at something very simple, which was beta oxidation. Phenomenal stuff. And then the evolution of that, David, I'd imagine. So after you focused on that particular pathway, what was the next like big breakthrough? Was there another breakthrough moment that occurred after that? There were a number of them. The one that comes to mind would be when we started, we were really just about lifestyle products, improving energy, relieving pain, and improving sleep. And as as I began to think about what might be possible, uh, I thought if we could increase production of different peptides in the body that naturally decrease with age, that would be pretty significant. And uh, how might we go ahead and do that? And so began a series of experiments and the uh, peptide that I selected for the first experiments was glutathione. Uh, So the reason was uh, glutathione is ubiquitous. It's found throughout the body. It's extremely important from the perspective of detoxification, uh, protecting the cells, the DNA, how we age. And glutathione is also a very simple peptide. Of course, it's a tripeptide. It seemed like that would make a very good target for first research. And in fact, turned out that when the product was developed, it did elevate glutathione. 
So that was really then the genesis of opening up an entire new chapter in our research. If you could turn on and increase expression of this peptide, uh, then what might the future hold? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it makes sense to be focusing on the body's master antioxidant, glutathione, to start out with observing the effects. I'm curious to know what sort of studies did you conduct? Was it like a free radical scavenging challenge or some sort of, like how did you measure the degree of glutathione output or oxidative stress? Yeah, actually it proved to be an enormous challenge to measure glutathione because it has a half-life of about seven minutes and it degrades very rapidly. And different laboratories that we worked with back then, this is going back to 2005, 2006, they had different protocols. And, but basically, we had to use a stabilizer and uh, flash freeze uh, the uh, blood samples and then get them tested. So that worked, I would say, fairly well in uh, being able to, to measure the glutathione levels. Um, the other thing that we did that uh, didn't require uh, any stability testing was urine analysis. And so we looked for increases in heavy metals. So what we saw was that when we uh, took a baseline measure, and then I think it was 24 hours later, we took another urine sample, we saw that excretion of heavy metals was up 60 to 80%. So we felt that all those things were good indicators of uh, increasing glutathione. That's absolutely phenomenal. And that's exactly what we would see with oral or even liposomal glutathione supplementation. I'd imagine we'd get that sort of detoxification effect, which is what, which is the primary reason why a lot of people actually even use glutathione in the first place is to help to chelate heavy metals and even other toxins from the body. So that's phenomenal that you're able to establish that in your research. Following on from that peptide, what were some of the other pathways and targets? Like were you trying to manipulate any other hormones in the body, such as like melatonin or things like that? Yeah, I lo looked at everything and, and anything and really trying to think about what is it that we want to do and why. And I really wasn't interested in going after things like testosterone. There'd be some compelling reasons to do it, but it would probably quickly end us up in a drug category. And I didn't really want to get, first, I'm not sure that it would have been a good area of research. But secondly, for sure, we would have been classified as a drug. So those were some mm -hmm. of the things that I stayed away from. But I decided for personal reasons that I wanted to look at anti-aging and then later what became age reversal. So I began to study and learn as much as I could and, and pursue the research from that perspective. So for example, in and around 2006, I saw some research on carnosine and what was interesting was there was an early study done on mice that showed that you could extend life about 30 to 40%. And also significantly, the mice didn't age in the process. So this to me seemed like the ideal anti-aging product. Not only are you living longer, but you're not aging, right? Who wouldn't want that? And later on, what was discovered was that the mechanism of action there was that the carnosine was inhibiting the degradation of the telomeres. So here we had a few very promising targets for anti-aging 
And then later, through many years of research, I began to see that age reversal was entirely possible uh, through a number of different mechanisms that we could discuss. But uh, yeah, I worked on, uh, after glutathione, developed a product to elevate carnosine. Then there was a, a novel peptide that I selected that we elevated that became the Eon patch. And then most recently, the uh, peptides that we've been researching are uh, GHKCU and AHKCU because their GHK is a very powerful gene modulator and takes people about a third of the way to age reversal and also has some enormous short-term benefits. Mm, This is uh, a lot of fun for me to talk about these peptides and molecules because my YouTube channel is dedicated to talking about the research around these ingredients. Alcarnosine, for those listening in, not to be confused with alcarnitine. David's referring to alcarnosine, which is a dipeptide made up of alhistidine plus uh, beta alanine. Yeah, beta yeah, alanine. Or alanine and histidine. But you have you wouldn't take an alanine supplement because beta alanine gets converted over to peptides, whereas alanine could be used to make proteins. And if if people are vegan or vegetarian, they'd probably want to consider a beta alanine supplement. But yeah, it's a very simple dipeptide. And that seemed like it would be a pretty easy target for a patch, given that the glutathione patch was already a a reality. And and that Mm. was very straightforward at that point. And the mechanism with alcarnosine was obviously, you mentioned the telomeres, but then also one of its other, I guess, one of its major benefits is the inhibition of... AGEs, advanced glycation end products, which which is... Yeah. So carnosine is interesting in the sense that it's probably the most powerful anti-glycation nutrient that's known at least to this point. So anyone that is a uh, diabetic would be, should be either type one or type two would be very interested in carnosine, right? People for vanity reasons, they're interested in their skin. Carnosine would be a good choice and carnosine being used topically in some skincare. But what we found was when you look at uh, the biochemistry of carnosine, it's stored in the, the heart, the brain, the skeletal muscle. You can find it in tears. And it's not as ubiquitous as glutathione, but on the other hand, it's extraordinarily powerful. So we did studies to look at what's the benefit of carnosine with cognition. And we actually found that in people over the age of 60, we could reverse age-related cognitive decline. We found out that it improved athletic performance very rapidly, first week of use, and, and some other benefits. So it, I, I think of carnosine as one of the most powerful nutrients that most people have never heard of that they should be taking. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the athletic performance side of things, because that's one of the reasons why beta alanine is used in sports supplements to it's to increase muscle carnosine constant skeletal muscle carnosine levels and having that buffering effect on hydrogen ion build up so that's yeah really I'm glad you brought that up so you've covered so glutathione the l carnosine and you're mentioning because my audience will be like you're mentioning a patch what's the patch how does that work so do you want to explain that <laughs> sure. Yeah. So it'd, it'd be pretty important for people to know that we're not talking about a non, we're not talking about a transdermal patch, right? We're not putting 
carnosine or glutathione in a patch, and then it goes into the body. Instead, these patches are constructed from organic materials that when activated by body heat, they stimulate the skin with very low levels of light. And uh, this is called photobiomodulation. Um, Biophoton emission from the body was first discovered by Fritz Popp. And so many other researchers now have looked into it. And of course, phototherapy, there's over 5,000 studies that have been published. Michael Hamblin from Harvard has over 400 studies in peer review at this point. So it, it's very well established that uh, how phototherapy and photobiomodulation works, you know, what happens biochemically and how we can use that to our advantage. So with the LifeWave patches, the big difference is that we're not using an active device like a laser or a lamp, but we're using a patch that will uh, stimulate the skin with low levels of light. And this will turn on a specific biochemical process like glutathione or something else. And so the actual application of the the patch and also how long it would last typically, do you want to walk us through like a typical treatment, for example, what does that protocol look like? Yeah. So the patches are designed to trap body heat. Because of this, we don't recommend people wear them more than 12 hours. Otherwise, they could get a heat rash. There's another phenomenon in phototherapy as well. It's called attenuation. So if you continue to stimulate the skin with light, eventually the body stops responding. It's like if you're drinking coffee every day, eventually, you know, you're not going to get a rise out of it anymore. What we found uh, through empirical uh, experience is that applying the patch for about 12 hours and then removing it and then coming back the next day would keep the body uh, able to respond to it. So the protocol is put them on in the morning, take them off at night, and then uh, restart the next day. And as far as like location on the body, is there a preferred site of um, application? So the interesting thing is that with most of the patches, what we find is that they have systemic effects, which is really not intuitive. I think uh, most scientists would think you stimulate one area of skin and that area of the body is going to be affected, but we've proven that's not the case. You can stimulate a very small area of skin with light and elevate glutathione throughout the body. And of course, that's uh, validated by multiple blood tests that we've done now. So on the one hand, the place where you apply it is not that significant unless you're trying to do something very specific. So let's say you're just trying to maintain your health. You put the patch on behind the neck, below the belly button, wherever you like. If you're trying to relieve pain, then you might want to put the patches at that area of pain. We found that effect to be more rapid, although you can get pain relief with kind of putting it anywhere. Interesting. Okay. So obviously we've covered the glutathione, L-carnosine, what are some other areas of, or like areas of health that you think it can have some broader application towards? From my perspective, there are several areas that are extremely impactful. And one is on management of inflammation. Of course, when the topic of inflammation comes up, many people tend to think, 
that this is something really bad. And that's not so much the case. It's really more that as we age, the mechanisms in our cells, which control the inflammation, begin to break down. And that would be the antioxidant system, among other things. So, and there's even a term for this now, which is inflammaging. And so this is this idea that as you age, the levels of inflammatory markers are going to creep up on us, and this is going to make people more prone to disease. So if we want to stop aging and even reverse it, one of the key things is going to be to get control over the inflammatory process and the process of oxidative stress. So we found a number of ways of doing that. One, of course, is with glutathione, which works very well. And then what came out after that is a product called Eon. And uh, the Eon patch uh, stimulates the primitive immune system. So not only do we see increases in glutathione, but we also see increases in SOD. Uh, We also see reductions in a broad spectrum of inflammatory markers like uh, C-reactive proteins, inflammatory cytokines, uh, homocysteine, lipid peroxide. Eon is a very powerful product to manage inflammation. Mm, Fantastic. That Eon product, as far as some of its other uses, so you mentioned inflammation and inflammaging to a degree. I'm curious to know, like outside the scope of general health and longevity, I know you briefly mentioned before, there's a, a tennis player and other potential athletes that are using these patches is there one in particular that they tend to lean towards the ones that, that are more suited for or more appropriate for athletic performance? Yeah. When we got started, I was working with uh, coach Richard Quick at Stanford University. And back then we only had the energy patches and we were, we were doing quite well. We had in the first three weeks of working with his Olympic swimmers, this was the, these were the, the women's uh, swim team at Stanford. Six out of his eight swimmers broke their personal lifetime best in their event, just using the energy patches. And that would be the least sophisticated uh, product that we have. Um, I still wear the energy patches today uh, because they do have anti-aging effects that we can get into, but uh, with athletics, there's many, many options. Um, glutathione is an option. Uh, as a matter of fact, the uh, U.S. military wants every active military personnel on a glutathione supplement uh, because they recognize that it improves athletic performance. Carnosine, of course, as you already know, is invaluable when it comes to uh, athletic performance because it can buffer lactic acid and improve endurance. I think today, because the focus has been on stem cells and regenerative medicine, people that learn about LifeWave are interested in X39, and they're interested in what copper peptide can do to help their performance. So generally, for a professional or Olympic athlete, we'd be recommending the combination of X39 and X49. But there are other options. I'd love to dive deeper into X39. Obviously, that that product there appears to be tailored towards activating the body's own stem cell production. So first of all, do you want to, I've had another guest on the podcast who's spoken about 
the importance of stem cells and why it's important to increase them and some some of their pleiotrophic effects. Did you want to maybe talk to my audience, let them know what are stem cells, why are they important to activate and what are some of the benefits associated with doing so? Yeah, so it's a great question. Stem cells are the universal cells in the body. So every cell that you have in your body today was once a stem cell, right? Every differentiated cell. And so that means that the muscle tissue, heart, liver, kidneys was once a stem cell. And we basically start out as a clump of stem cells and they begin to differentiate and specialize and turn into whatever it is they turn into. The stem cells age with the rest of the body. This is tied to the telomeres and what's called the Hayflick limit. So when we're about 75 or so, most people, they lose their telomeres, uh, which are the rods on the end of chromosomes. And what this means is that the cells can no longer divide. So that's one very significant problem. So if we want to figure out how to stop aging and live longer, we have to figure out a way to uh, prevent the telomeres from degrading. Another thing is that uh, clinical research has showed that there's definitely a correlation between telomere length and disease. So when people have shorter telomeres, they start to develop problems with their immune system and they can become more susceptible to uh, things like uh, autoimmune disorders, cancer, arthritis, and so forth. So when we get over the age of 60, our telomeres have degraded where they're maybe about 60 to 80% less effective than they were when we were in our 20s. We did our research at the National University of Ireland in Galway at the Regenerative Medicine Institute. And we were funded by Scientific Foundation Ireland. And we worked with Dr. Tim O'Brien, who is a very well-known stem cell scientist globally. And the what I presented to the university was this idea that we could activate the stem cells in the body with energy as opposed to going with a stem cell injection. So To answer your question, stem cells are these universal cells. They have limits like every other cell in the body. They get involved with making new cells, repairing cells, and they're a critical part of our health and the way that we age. And so if we want to stay younger longer, then we have to have a strategy to address the health and the vitality of the stem cells. It all starts there. Yeah, that's a really good explanation and summary into the major applications and, and how stem cells are imperative for overall health. When you mentioned around telomere length and even maybe stem cell levels in the body, I'm sure my audience is probably wanting to know, is there a way to measure your telomere length? Do we do that currently? And also, do we assess how much... like? the rate and production of stem cells as we age. Can we assess that? Yeah. Uh, Actually, there's a number of different techniques for doing it. The lab that we've used in recent years is called Repeat Diagnostics. And that is going to measure leukocytes and granulocytes. And it is a considered at this point, the gold standard 
in telomere testing. So yeah, it would be a simple, it would be a simple uh, blood test at this point to measure for telomere length. So that's a good thing. Uh, a number of years ago, I, I think the first telomere test that I did was with a company called LifeLength. And at the time they were based out of Spain. And I was really happy. I, I was turning 52 at the time and my telomeres were showing up as a person age 32. So I, I was really happy with that outcome. But uh, yeah, I, I would say that if people are interested in finding out about their true biological age, telomere length would be very important. Getting a panel, basic blood panel to show what your inflammatory markers are like, that, that's going to give an indication about how you're aging and also susceptibility to disease, organic acid tests to look at the way that we metabolize and make energy. So there, there'd be some very good and not so expensive tests that could give person an idea what's the true biological age and where I'm, what direction am I headed in. Telomere is certainly a very important part of that. Also, as part of that, David, I guess maybe we can also explore some of the other methods and modalities that people can implement to actually increase their endogenous production of stem cells. I'd imagine there would have to be some other stimuluses or, th or things that would trigger, is it when you're in a hypoxic environment, for example, low oxygen state, are there other ways to trigger an increased production of stem cells? Yeah, as it turns out, there's a number of different ways of doing it. The advantage that we have with X39 is that it resets the stem cells to a more youthful state. But let's get into your question first. So I think one of the very, very important things is that, and that this is not going to be surprising, is that uh, antioxidants like glutathione and SOD are going to protect stem cells. And so there's some literature on using things like broccoli sprouts that contain sulforaphane, and they show remarkable efficacy at protecting the health and the vitality of stem cells. Chocolate, if you have cacao, I think the study was 72 or 73% cacao was shown to improve the health and the vitality of stem cells. With regards to mobilization of stem cells, uh, that's definitely been a subject uh, that's been explored. And as you probably know, going into a hyperbaric oxygen chamber has been shown uh, with the proper protocol uh, has been shown to increase the number of circulating stem cells by about uh, four to six times over baseline. And uh, that's also been shown to lengthen telomeres as well. Um, to me, the disadvantage of that approach is that it's not improving from what I can see the quality of the stem cells, but it is definitely improving the number of uh, circulating stem cells. So with the X39 patch, the LifeWave patch, that one there in particular, a suggested usage protocol, would that be perhaps like a once a month, like maybe one week out of every month, they'll decide to use it? Or how would you, how are people best utilizing that? Yeah, like everything, it depends on the person, but we recommend it to use it like vitamins, right? So it's something that you're going to use on a regular basis. If you're trying to maintain your health, then it's a good product to use daily, just like vitamins. Some people, they're trying to recover from an injury 
and they want to support the body's natural healing process, and they might use the product for a short period of time, and then, and that's it. But most people, once they get the benefits, they want to continue using it. That's interesting. What else around like health and longevity? I know you've mentioned, so stem cell renewal and optimization there, regeneration. What are some other, maybe this would be more of a probably trickier question, but in regards to like, what are some areas of research that you're really excited to see more of that you think is really lacking? It may be, I don't know, maybe a particular, a peptide that no one's talking about. What are you excited to see more research on? Yeah, at this point in time, my research is on age reversal. And of course, there's many people that are working in this field but I'm taking a rather unusual approach to it, I would say. Actually, I have some samples on my desk. I wasn't planning to show you these, but maybe I will. And I would have to walk back a little bit. But the premise that I'm working on is that this all starts and stops with mitochondrial function. There are certainly a number of different valid models of uh, aging and also age reversal. For example, autophagy, the ability of the body to remove dead cells, there's certainly validity to that. Aubrey de Grey, of course, is a big supporter uh, of uh, that area of research. Bill Andrews has focused on different models for lengthening telomeres. So I I don't disagree with those things. Uh, And of course, David Sinclair is going the route of NAD, and developing supplements for elevating NAD. And and these all have their merit. The method that I'm looking at is to create a new structure of water. And I don't mean a structured water product, by the way, and I'm going to actually show you what I mean. And the idea behind this is, as we know, in thermodynamics, water is completely neutral. But what if it wasn't? What if it was possible for water to act as a uh, carrier of energy? We did some interesting experiments going back now, maybe about six years or so. And uh, here would be a piece of copper, nothing really unusual about it. It's it's a copper ring, familiar copper color. And if you take uh, this ring and you put it in an oven, it will form a copper oxide that is uh, red in color. And you can use that material as a semiconductor, and uh, you can use it to uh, make a solar cell. Not a very good one, uh, but it will respond to light and convert light to electricity. What I did was I found a process to change the way oxygen binds to a metal. And we did this with copper, tin, and some other materials but you'll see that it bears a very strong resemblance to gold. Uh, if you bear with me just a second. Wow. Sure. I actually have a better example of it. Yeah, I got it right here. Sorry about that. Hi, yeah. This is, this is actually a piece of tin. And the tin, if it was an oxide, would be a dull gray. And instead, the oxygen, when it binds to the surface of the tin, it bonds at a different angle. And because we've electromagnetically enhanced the sample, and we've produced 
a gold tin oxide that never existed before. So we took this sample to a microanalytical lab in the United States, and they used a, a, a process called X-ray diffraction, and uh, or XRD. And what they're able to do is compare this to 60,000 other materials as a reference. And uh, the equipment came back and said that this material didn't exist. So essentially, what does this have to do with uh, age reversal? What it means is that since this process affects the angle at which we can uh, attach oxygen onto a metal, hydrogen has a metallic state. What we've successfully done is created a new form of water by embedding energy into the uh, bond of the hydrogen and oxygen. And when you drink this water, the energy is released into the body and it has a uh, regenerative effect. This is, and this is something you're working on now. And this is like the next evolution of your, of the range or complementary addition. Is that sort of the objective? Yeah, the objective with this, yeah, the objective of this is to take the laboratory equipment, which is about one meter wide and three meters long and shrink that. And it costs about maybe $30,000 to build, not including man hours. And uh, to take that and convert it over into a consumer unit that someone can put on their countertop and they can make this water and they can drink it daily. And uh, we have done some preliminary studies. We have a piece of equipment called the biopulsar and some other things, but they're basically uh, measure bioelectrical activity uh, throughout the body. And not surprisingly, the effects of this water are near instantaneous, meaning you drink the water and in less than 10 seconds, you can see the uh, readings on the equipment change in response to the water being metabolized and it's a systemic effect. That sounds phenomenal. What are those key areas that you're seeing changes in? Is it like biofeedback responses like heart rate, blood pressure? um, Everything. It affects everything. So I'll give you an example. I have a fellow that I work with who works out of our office in Ireland. And he took a business trip to Japan. And then on the way back, he stopped at our office in San Diego, then at our office in Utah, and then Orlando. And so this all happened over about a three-week period of time. So he came in, and not surprisingly, every one of his readings was not very good. His body really didn't know what time zone he was in. So I took a baseline reading on the biopulsar. And biopulsar looks like a, you can think of a multi-channel EEG, except this is for the entire body. So you can see what's going on in the liver, the kidneys, and so forth. And I gave him a glass of water to drink. And in less than 10 seconds, every organ in his body stabilized. And instead of the reading being erratic, it was very stable. So what the equipment is looking at is the way the body, the way energy flows through tissue and and how well that energy is being utilized by the organ. I guess maybe that's a simple way of explaining it. But every system in the body improved. Uh, Subjectively, what he noticed was that he had an immediate improvement in cognition. So his his memory, his, his focus improved. 
quite significantly within seconds of using the product. And it stayed that way for several hours. Mm. This is definitely exciting to see where this leads. I've seen a number of water-based medicines or manipulations out there tweaking the quality of the water. I even had a structured water into a guest. It was called Analemma Water. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Don't know that one. Yeah, but there was also another one as well around. I've researched the benefits of hydrogen water, but obviously this is different. Yeah, different to this. Yeah, Um, this is very different. Yeah, I'm I'm quite familiar with hydrogen water and I don't have anything against that product. We're just doing something a little bit different. And the thought process here is that water goes everywhere in the body. And so if it can become a carrier of energy, and if you can embed energy into the water where it will trigger a regenerative response within the cell, then we have a real shot at using this as a means to stop and reverse aging. And of course, this would be based on the idea that when gene expression is directly correlated to mitochondrial function. So in work that's done on NAD or or combination of lipoic acid and acetyl-L-carnitine, we see that as you improve mitochondrial function, gene expression changes where the cells act like younger cells. So I'm looking to do the same thing, but you use water instead of a nutrient. Yeah, the the mitochondrial pathway is definitely exciting. And we even forgot to mention with the Alcana scene, how imperative that is and how essential that is for mitochondrial function. Anything that can improve ATP production, creatine, monohydrate is fantastic. Coenzyme Q10, carnitine. Yeah, I, I love that pathway. I love exploring that pathway because that's it's a sustainable way to improve energy levels. It's not depleting like caffeine and stimulants that actually like just speed up and accelerate the central nervous system. Yeah, yeah. I also find what's interesting about the Krebs cycle is that there are these positive and negative feedback loops with antioxidants and with oxidants. So... Mm-hmm. In my research, I look at nitric oxide and glutathione as key mediators for keeping the process of energy production going in the cell. It's okay if you have, let's say, a diet that's very high in nitrites, natural nitrites, that is often thought of as being a good thing because it's going to supply the body with lots of nitric oxide. But the problem is that you can get too much of a good thing. And if your antioxidants aren't high enough, then that actually can cause end up causing oxidative stress. So you could get too much nitric oxide and then the mitochondria starts to shut down until mm-hmm. your glutathione levels can come back up. So from my perspective, a key area in age reversal is maintaining that balance between oxidative stress and antioxidants. Yeah, that's a really critical point to bring up. I'm glad you brought that up, David, around the nitric oxide how that can play a role here as well. So there's definitely a lot to explore and I'm really fascinated to see where this leads. And for my audience wanting to know more, obviously I'll make sure to leave a link in the podcast description in the show notes if they want to learn more about your products and actually trial them. If there's one bit of advice or suggestions you can leave with my audience when it comes to aging or just regenerative medicine, What's one key point that you think people should really understand? 
Prayer. I would say it, it have a daily life of prayer. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been the key to my success. I have over 130 patents now. And the only reason I have those is because I prayed over each project that I was working on and, and the good Lord saw it fit to bless me with the information and the patience and the perseverance to pursue that. We live in some very unusual times now, as and there's all types of things to be stressed out about. And stress is going to be the single biggest killer of our bodies. And there's certainly lots of information, lots of studies to show how stress ages the body. On the other hand, what doesn't get a lot of press is that love protects the body and reverses it. And so, for example, studies on oxytocin. So when we're in a state of love, we elevate oxytocin. This can actually make our muscle cells act like younger, healthier cells. Jesus was quite right. When we love others, not only is it great for the planet and for humanity, but it's anti-aging and it's age reversal. So my message would be pray daily, pray to God, uh, love others, and uh, save yourself and save the planet in the process. Yeah, it's a beautiful message to, to finish off the podcast, David. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure we'll have to get you back on the podcast at some stage in the future when you uncover more around the, the new water that you're trying to pioneer. So yeah, I wanted to say thanks so much, David, for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, same here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Lucas. Awesome. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.